Hey, welcome back to the channel. My name is Seem Lund and today we are doing another Instagram Q&A. If you want to ask me a question, then make sure you follow me on Instagram at Seem Lund. Do it. All right. First question, your opinion on hard mewing. <laughs> so uh, this is a interesting question. So for those who don't know, mewing is more like this, let's say, facial exercise where you're teaching yourself to breathe through the nose as well as kind of, you know, that they say that hypothetically it's supposed to also restructure your jawline in a way to make it look more attractive and more like squared, etc. Not like a crooked jawline, but more, yeah, like a square <laughs> jawline. And the way you do it is by, you know, trying to push the uh, jaw, uh, the jaw like forward. And the way you do that is by pressing your uh, tongue to the roof of your mouth. And uh, yeah, like many children who uh, breathe through the mouth develop this kind of a weird and crooked uh, jawline that uh, isn't generally considered attractive. And it also obviously increases the risk of steep apnea, diabetes and other uh, issues like high blood pressure, those things. So, you know, as a human, you should always breathe through the nose pretty much 99% of the time, except when you're like exercising hard or if you're like talking or I don't know, like just running or whatever, like the when you're under some sort of, um, you know, oxygen deprivation or when you need more oxygen, that's where it's you know, okay to kind of <gasps> grasp through the, through the mouth and breathe more air in. But 99% of the time, especially in your sleep, you should breathe through the nose. And, uh, you know, I think uh, naturally that's what most people will end up doing anyway. But, you know, children, they may develop this poor habit to uh, breathe through the mouth uh, due to like uh, either like some lack of uh, these uh, fat soluble vitamins that uh, also prevents the jawline from developing properly and uh, you know the way you can do that obviously is to just use mouth taping and different kinds of uh, breathing exercises to achieve that so I think the mewing is more of like you know yeah it's a good exercise to try to teach yourself to breathe through the nose I don't think it's going to have like any significant impact on actually changing your um, you know jawline a lot like there are like these different channels and people who are doing this hard mewing uh, all the time and I think it would become like, you know, too much of a, like a too much of a focus, like it will just take a lot of like your attention away from other things. So I think it's much better to just focus on trying to teach yourself to breathe through the nose. And, uh, you know, the best way to do that is to just seal your mouth closed when you're like sleeping, for example, using mouth tape, or just during daytime, also using something analogous to just remind yourself, hey, you just have to breathe through the nose and uh, yeah like if you do press your tongue to the roof of your mouth then uh, that would you know automatically make you breathe through the nose as well and it al already automatically also you know creates some sort of this mewing <laughs> effect where you're pushing your uh, jaw as well uh, forward a little bit and uh, you know maybe over time it would have like a minor like a minor change in terms of actually changing the jawline uh, structure or the, the aesthetics of it but uh, yeah I think you, you should tr just you know try to breathe through the nose teach yourself to breathe through the nose and over time as a side effect you will also achieve whatever you're after uh, with with the mewing <laughs> type so I, I don't uh, specifically do any mewing or anything like that uh, I just you know try to breathe through the nose as much as possible. Next question, how can we learn the optimal levels for each biomarker? Google doesn't give an accurate answer. Well, the thing with that is, uh, 
yeah, like the medical guidelines, they're obviously applied to general, you know, general situations and uh, for the average person. And I do think that most of the, the uh, RDAs and the as well as the uh, biomarker ranges generally can be quite like meaningful they do will you know pretty much tell you what is the optimal uh, range or a good range to aim for 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 example blood sugar if your fasting blood sugar levels are above 150 milligrams then uh, that is a sign of pre-diabetes and uh, if your blood sugar is below 100 then that's very good so uh, there's a very you know there's different kinds of um, ideas about what is optimal for in terms of like cholesterol especially like different controversial biomarkers but most of the biomarkers uh, i think are pretty standardized already like your vitamin d levels uh, pretty much standardized your blood sugar levels cholesterol is obviously uh, more controversial um, triglycerides are pretty much standardized uh, so uh, yeah it's you know i would still refer to for the vast majority for a starting point i would refer to the medical guidelines already in terms of the uh, recommended biomarker ranges and uh, only like certain genetic factors and you know situations uh, do they change and they may differ you know slightly but they're not like you know it's never healthy to have a blood sugar level of uh, 120 or is generally not in almost all cases healthy to have a even like 115 fasting blood sugar level which is the pre-diabetic uh, sign already if you want to truly know the state of your health and uh, disease risk then check out inside tracker inside tracker is an at-home biomarker service that you can use to test up to 43 different biomarkers like lipids liver enzymes inflammation sex hormones and much more the process is simple you order the test kit to your home use the little finger prick device to give your blood send it back and you get results to your online dashboard or app you can get a 25% discount of all their tests if you head over to seamlund.com forward slash inside tracker. That's in one word. And you can use the code seamlund at checkout. That's seamlund.com forward slash inside tracker. And the code is seamlund. Next question, advice for maxing libido. <laughs> so these are pretty, uh, so far, pretty like masculine um, or... I mean, I don't know, obviously women also have libido, but um, yeah, generally uh, for libido, then there is actually like this seasonal variation in libido levels as well. So like in the summertime, people generally have more libido, they have more energy, they have more sexual desire, probably because you know there's more sunlight there's more daylight and those you know these uh, these factors of vitamin d levels are huge in terms of regulating your sex hormones testosterone levels uh, estrogen etc uh, so yeah testosterone generally is uh, the one of the hormone that does increase libido and uh, you know if you're a man then there's many things you can do to like optimize your testosterone levels like lifting weight sleeping losing weight uh, not getting obese uh, getting uh, plenty of uh, essential nutrients, eating a good diet, eating enough carbohydrates as well. Uh, so yeah, you know, there's many things you need to do to optimize your testosterone levels. Specifically, there are certain other, you know, compounds that can also affect libido directly. So like maca root is very common as a libido uh, booster. And uh, yeah, it works uh, pretty damn good. So uh, yeah, these are one of the things, you know, there's, I don't, I think there's like many, let's say, uh, individual things as well for different people that uh, raises their libido but generally as a baseline you know you have to have good testosterone levels good sunlight exposure vitamin d levels good biomarkers in general and uh, from a supplement side then maybe you can use like i don't know maca root and uh, as an actual 
<laughs> sexual performance enhancer you could use like you know citrulline and uh, those uh, you know nitric oxide boosters that can also help with like blood flow and you know erection quality and those kind of things next question what is your recommended salt list and where is himalayan salt ranked uh, so i don't have any like recommended salt list i think any you know there's different regions of the world they have diff access to different salts historically at least you know there's celtic sea salt there's himalayan pink salt there's aztec rock salt and there's you know there's the uh, what's it called uh there's the redmond uh real salt <laughs> so and regular sea salt where i'm from so you know there's uh you know historically there wasn't you know the people wouldn't have access to salts from across the globe as much of course salt was a very valuable and common uh, commodity and almost like a luxury good in almost or at least like they were they did use salt as a salary in in the roman legionnaires so uh, yeah salt was vital for survival um, and uh, for like food preservation and many things so i think you know any kind of salt generally is gonna be good if it's uh, like sea salt sea salt is generally you know the least processed it has the least kind of you know exposure to heavy metals whereas the table salt regular table salt is you know usually exposed to different kinds of heavy metals and stuff like that and uh, yeah it's stripped from its uh, other minerals that are also needed for like maintaining optimal electrolyte balance so from a tier list side i know i think yeah like you know at the top bar gonna be the healthiest salts of the world would be you know probably uh, Celtic sea salt, regular sea salt, Himalayan uh, sea, pink Himalayan rock salt, and down the line there would be just you know regular table salt. And I wouldn't really use uh, regular table salt. I would much rather always use some kind of a uh, rock salt or um, a sea salt. Next question: What are your thoughts on lion's mane and psilocybin microdose? If you've heard of it, so lion's mane is definitely something that I've used a lot. It's uh, one of my favorite like medicinal mushrooms. Uh, because it uh, you know directly helps with neurogenesis and uh, nerve growth factor or yeah helps to grow brain cells basically and uh, yeah it's a common nootropic agent so it helps with memory and many like you know brain functions so i'm a huge fan of uh, taking lion's mane i think yeah there's no real like negative side effects to it and you can pretty much take it almost like year round and uh, it definitely is uh, something i would recommend for almost like anyone who uses their brain <laughs> regularly um from psilocybin side um i don't think most you know yeah like i think microdosing is probably safe there's no like negative side effects to it uh, but uh, obviously you know there can be some like so i'm not like that familiar with the research about it of the safety efficacy uh, but uh, i think uh, you know microdosing is probably you know okay i haven't you know tried significant like microdosing myself uh, but i would say that uh, yeah compared to like you know there's a uh, levels to it like basic nootropic memory brain supporting uh, supplement would be like creatine which is like fundamental almost and maybe caffeine as well somewhere there and then lion's mane is going to be very like an actual you know nerve or neurogen neurogenic <laughs> agent and uh, psilocybin I think um, some people would probably do good with it. Maybe they would like it, but uh, yeah, it's not something where well, I think like lion's mane and creatine would work for everyone. I don't think like uh, microdosing with psilocybin probably works for everyone and uh, it may not be suitable for, you know, everyone. Next question, is it okay to eat fried food if fried in olive oil? 
so uh, fried food generally is not the healthiest you know you produce these um, advanced glycation end products and uh, if you you know fry uh, these carbohydrates you create this acrylamide which can also be carcinogenic and um, harmful in excess so i think you know in excess every, everything is almost uh, harmful especially fried food <laughs> and uh, i think you know it doesn't matter what what kind of oil you use to fry it with if you fry it with tallow if you fry it with sunflower oil if you fry it with olive oil i think they're all equally harmful and of course, the vegetable oils and seed oils are the worst, and olive oil is obviously healthier. Uh, it's just there, uh, like the, if you add a bunch of oils and fats to your food and you fry it, then uh, first of all, you create these carcinogenic compounds and advanced glycation end products that can accelerate your skin aging and things like that. And you also potentially, you know, oxidize the lipids there, which cause additional inflammation and uh, uh, oxidative stress in your body. And lastly, you also just, you know, increase the calorie content of the meal so like french fries if you just take a regular potato you know a regular potato is going to be like 100 calories or something 150 calories but if you fry it in oil then it's going to be even like 300 calories almost <laughs> so you know the added calories from any source generally is going to be harmful and you know some fats are healthier but uh, you know at some point just the excess calories is going to be one of the most important factors in my opinion and you know in the past they actually mcdonald's fried their fries in um, tallow if i'm not mistaken and at some point they switched over to soybean oil or sunflower oil i'm not sure which one uh, but uh, you know <laughs> mcdonald's is still mcdonald's like uh, just the if you eat let's say this uh, one pack of uh, fries from mcdonald's it doesn't matter if it's fried in tallow or sunflower oil you know it's still harmful it's you're still gonna get like a bunch of calories i'm mean, like 700 800 calories from that and uh, yeah it still creates these advanced glycation and products now you know i'm a i'm a huge believer in moderation as well so i think you know there's nothing bad in cooking your food in olive oil there's nothing bad in frying you know potatoes and making like home homemade french fries or something it's actually yeah, healthier to do that for sure from the fat composition side but uh, yeah like you shouldn't kid yourself that it's you know healthier um of course it's slightly healthier but it's not like you know that it's gonna be a health food that you should eat all the time uh, but at the same time yeah don't become super neurotic about it you don't have to be afraid of you know fried food and in small amounts your body can deal with the advanced glycation end products of course if you stay in a calorie balance then the calories don't matter that much uh, either uh, and uh, yeah it's just everything in moderation if you're in a calorie deficit you can almost get away with anything including the lipid peroxidation because your body will just uh, counteract the oxidation of the lipids with the increase of antioxidants from the calorie restriction uh, so yeah you know moderation is key some fats are healthier than others, uh, but generally fried food, fr fried food isn't, you know, a health food. <laughs> it doesn't make the food healthier. It uh, would make the food slightly unhealthier, but whether or not it becomes actually unhealthy for you depends on, yeah, your calorie balance, your just overall nutrient profile, your metabolic health, your physical activity, and your antioxidant defense uh, status. Next question, how to fix sleep apnea naturally? So uh, sleep apnea, huge concern, sleep disordered breathing, uh, snoring, yeah, they're pretty much the same thing. And, um, you know, first you have to know if you have sleep apnea, many people who have like a thicker neck will automatically be categorized or, or be a big candidate for getting sleep apnea. Uh, if you're overweight, if you have high blood pressure, if you drink alcohol, those things are pretty much, yeah, 
increase the risk of getting sleep apnea so what you you know need to do to fix that is you know if you're overweight lose the weight if you have a bunch of muscle you have just your neck is just muscle not fat it's big it's big and thick because of the muscle then uh, you have to you know ideally i would you know reconsider how much muscle you need <laughs> like because yeah like excess muscle isn't healthy uh, either because of that risk and you know if you can use a sleep apnea machine and then uh, that's can can be a lifesaver a lot of bodybuilders actually use the sleep pack machine and uh, yeah just save their life almost or at least adds a little bit more extra years to their life <laughs> uh, compared to not using that device uh, but yeah like the biggest thing that you need to do is just lose weight um, from a breathing pattern side then if you're a habitual mouth breather then that's a big concern so i would try to you know again like i mentioned earlier in the episode uh, regulate your breathing patterns try to breathe through the nose more you can use mouth tape so there's different kinds of thin pieces of tape you vertically across the mouth it's going to keep your mouth sealed for the night and uh, can also teach you to breathe through the nose which is a very effective and very um, powerful strategy as well um, i would say like you know blood pressure can affect as well so if you're drinking a lot of caffeine or if you drink alcohol before bed then um, because your you know muscles become more smooth or less stiff from the alcohol then uh, you can like collapse and you can start to snore <laughs> which isn't and so that's why like many people who are drunk can also uh, snore so uh, yeah not drink alcohol make sure you're not stressed out relaxed and um yeah just try to make sure you don't um, develop like obesity and uh, too much muscle next question is kind of a similar so how to not pee all night after prehydrate with salt and water after an evening game <laughs> so that's a very specific question i'll just start with how to pee less <laughs> during the night so if you go to the bathroom maybe once or twice like twice is probably the maximum you could get away with in terms of health if you go to the bathroom only once per night then that's perfectly normal and there's nothing unhealthy about it it's not gonna you know have any negative side effects on your health if you do it twice then yeah like that's the gonna la last limit in my opinion if you go three or four five times then uh, there could be some issues there first of all yeah like how much liquids are you drinking so this culture of stay hydrated <laughs> drink eight to ten cups of water a day all the time that can result in a situation where you're just going to the bathroom like 10 20 times a day especially at night as well so what i like to do is uh, pretty much restrict my liquid consumption starting at least you know after dinner so I'll, I'll, the last liquids i'll consume after dinner is gonna be just one cup of tea like a herbal tea for relaxation and the herbal tea actually also like a diuretic mild diuretic that can help you to pretty much go to the bathroom before you fall asleep uh, so um, i drink a little bit of tea just one cup and uh, I, I mean I drink the tea like even three two hours before bed so I'll be able to go to the bathroom at least you know once or twice uh, before I fall asleep actually so that's a very good thing instead of drinking the tea like immediately before bed then I would maybe start to you know activate uh, <laughs> diuretic pathways with the tea already at least you know three to two hours or four hours before bed and uh, during the dinner i don't drink a lot of liquids i may drink one cup of water or something else um and one cup of milk or something maybe uh so that's the only like uh liquids i'll be consuming uh around the dinner time during the daytime i do drink a little bit more i may drink like one liter of water per day uh during the daytime and uh yeah usually 
it's if it's if it's if you also consume like electrolytes and a little bit of salt then that can make you you know retain some of that liquid uh, a bit more compared to just flushing it out uh, with you know pure water uh, that can happen if you just drink pure water then yeah you will just go to the 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 bathroom a lot often more often because there's no like electrolytes there's no salt that will like make you retain it um, lastly you know carbohydrates again if you're like low on carbohydrates and you're on keto or carnivore or something like that or you're fasting then uh, you know the low levels of insulin also make you hold on to less water and as a result you end up going to the bathroom a lot you know part of the reason why people lose weight or the water weight on keto initially is because of the loss of water weight and uh, the low insulin levels make you hold less water and but if you do eat some carbohydrates for dinner as well then you retain some of that so you know healthy levels of insulin healthy levels of blood sugar levels they're fine and they actually yeah like help you to improve your sleep quality by increasing serotonin which then converts into melatonin and they also make you hold on to some of the liquids and store the water primarily in like you know muscle glycogen and stuff like that Next question is, what's wrong with good old naps? <laughs> so this uh, refers to one of the previous videos of this week where I uh, talked about a new study that uh, pretty much showed the top 10 factors associated with accelerated aging. The you know top four were uh, smoking, high waist circumference, high BMI, being overweight and stuff like that. And then there was a daytime napping. So this was something that many people were surprised about and uh, they started to get worried, like, <laughs> is my napping making me age faster? So this is a association study and, uh, you know, generally people who take naps, like normal people, generally who take naps are somewhat of like unhealthy already. They have some sort of, a, you know, there may, may be even in like medical conditions, uh, they may be just metabolically sick already and they're inflamed you have a high inflammation levels then you're gonna be more tired you want to take more naps uh, but there's also like shift workers so shift workers who take night shifts or they just you know have irregular CV patterns those people are also more likely to take naps so it's not that naps are directly making you age faster or they're making you unhealthy it's just that uh, people who take naps usually are already unhealthy or they're like shift workers which uh, warrants them uh, wanting to take naps so yeah you know, generally healthy people who take naps is good. And there are actually some other uh, association studies that find that people who take naps have lower risk of coronary artery uh, disease and uh, lower heart, heart, heart attacks as well. So naps are great. I think if, if you don't take naps, <laughs> then it's probably even worse if you feel like it. You know, if you feel like you need to take a nap, then take the nap. It's much better for you to like lower the cortisol lower the inflammation and regain your vigilance and stuff like that than to push through it like just pushing through it is actually much worth i think much worse and then later figure out okay why do i need to take the nap is it something that your um, sleep quality at night is bad or is it something that you have high inflammation levels or you're doing shift work or something like that uh, so yeah like take naps are healthy but if you need to take a lot of naps and you feel tired all the time then that can be somewhat of a sign that maybe you know your um some other things may not may not be optimal, like being your circadian rhythms or inflammation levels. Next question: Thoughts on raw cacao powder added to caffeine to enhance cognition? So, uh, raw cacao it definitely has a lot of polyphenols. It's it's probably as high in polyphenols as coffee itself, which is good for brain health and cognition. And 
preventing and uh, slowing down neurodegeneration so polyphenols are great for that uh, i do recall actually one study as well where consuming 15 grams of dark chocolate so something like 80 or 90 percent dark chocolate for a few weeks uh, reduced blood pressure in type 2 diabetics if i'm not mistaken mistaken so yeah raw cacao and the polyphenol content is pretty healthy and it's very high in antioxidants which i think is a good addition to your diet and uh, obviously it tastes good as well adding it to your coffee yeah i mean i, I don't see like a reason why not uh, it certainly would make it maybe taste a bit more like cacao and stuff so um, you know it's it's nothing that I wouldn't I wouldn't think that it has like an actual nootropic effect like the same way as lion's mane wood or you know something else like another like caffeine itself like caffeine is probably much more powerful as a nootropic and as a cognition enhancer than raw cacao but uh, raw cacao can what it can also do is just raise your dopamine levels which makes you feel maybe more good more motivated um, more like eager to th do things so it's not that it uh, directly enhances your cognition it does like boost your mood it does have protective effects against brain aging and just overall longevity uh, so yeah i think adding it is good um, it's just not, it's not going to be like a directly directly nootropic agent if that makes sense but i do like to add i do like to take a piece of like uh, dark chocolate like 80 90 percent dark chocolate before exercise so that can also like boost your dopamine levels and actually you know put you more into the zone so you have a better workout and the nitric oxide also it helps with nitric oxide slightly which is good for the blood flow next question sourdough bread is it true that it's the healthiest bread to have <laughs> um, well i think it's definitely one of the healthiest not sure what categorizes as a healthy bread um, you know of course white bread regular white bread it doesn't have any these probiotics as sourdough bread has it doesn't have almost any micronutrients it's uh, refined and um, you know it's also spikes your blood sugar quite high compared to sourdough bread then sourdough bread yeah you know if it's uh, actual sourdough bread then it can have you know these probiotics so you know it's almost like fermented food in some sense so it's good for microbiome it uh, has more fiber less of these let's say it's gonna spike your blood sugar less as well so it's certainly healthier than regular white bread um and I would say, yeah, because of the uh, probiotics, then it's probably, yeah, almost the healthiest bread in some sense. There's like Ezekiel bread as well that uh, are more, yeah, like with more fiber, less carbohydrates, uh, which um, can also be better than white bread, but I don't think it's healthier than a sourdough bread for sure. I think so, yeah, generally uh, I, th I would say then, yeah, like sourdough bread is probably the healthiest just by virtue of the probiotic uh, content. If you if you don't uh, take anything else into account next question is natto a good source of spermidine so uh, natto this uh, fermented soybean dish it tastes good <laughs> yeah and uh, it's definitely it's actually one of the highest source of vitamin k2 which is very good for cardiovascular disease and preventing atherosclerosis uh, it's uh, also i I do think it has some spermidine as well um, and other but it's not the highest source of spermidine the highest source of spermidine is like uh, wheat germ and nutritional yeast and uh, stuff like that so and cheese, cheeses as well so uh, natto is definitely a good source of spermidine it's the highest source of vitamin k2 uh, but it's not the highest source of spermidine so spermidine is a polyamine that uh, regulates autophagy it's also involved in some longevity pathways and uh, people who get like 11 milligrams of spermidine a day then they have up to 30 percent 
reduction in all-cause mortality compared to getting less than 11 milligrams of spermidine a day. So yeah, you definitely should eat foods that have spermidine, so not being one of them. Uh, wheat germ, nutritional yeast, um, regular meat has it as well slightly, but in less amounts, and uh, cheeses, so mushrooms as well, spermidine, so yeah, eat kind of these kinds of foods. Next question, thoughts on maple syrup. So uh, maple syrup is, uh, I think, is another like a good thing to add to your diet because it's just still a sugar sauce you know it's uh, almost like honey like a honey has yeah these different kinds of good compounds that can regulate your immune system and yeah you know consuming honey has been found to be very beneficial for yeah the immune system mostly but it's still quite a large amount of sugar and uh, i don't think that you know it's very good to add like a ton of honey or maple syrup to your diet so maple syrup does have chromium which is very beneficial for uh, insulin um, production and blood sugar regulation and lipids even but again like if you add let's say three or five tablespoons of maple syrup or honey into your diet then you know okay, well, yeah it depends on your physical activity if you're like very physically active then it doesn't matter that much or if you're lean and stuff but uh, for someone who is trying to lose weight, then I wouldn't add like maple syrup into their diet because it's just going to be a whole lot of calories, a whole lot of uh, carbohydrates and sugar that uh, you may not need. So you can get chromium from many other sources like uh, oysters, seafood, um, broccoli and oatmeal even have uh, more chromium than uh, maple syrup. Uh, but if you want to like sweeten your food uh, or sweeten some of desserts, then maple syrup, yeah, it's healthier than uh, regular sugar. But it still, you know, has has as many calories as regular sugar. <laughs> it's just that it also has chromium and maybe some other micronutrients. But it's not inherently, you know, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, some superfood that you need to add to your diet. It's healthier than regular sugar, yeah. But um, you know, it it makes things taste sweeter, <laughs> and that's what it is. And last question is gonna be: What shampoo, uh, body wash, face moisturizer do you use? So I think uh, I'm not. I'm definitely one of the worst people to answer these kinds of uh, cosmetic questions because I don't <laughs> use any like uh, any of course I use like obviously soap and stuff like that but I don't use any like face care products I don't use any moisturizers any creams I never have used any of those things I mean I've used I, I use only like you know regular soap or some shower gel and even if I wash my hair, then it's usually some like head and shoulders or something like that, like very generic uh, shampoo. And I think, you know, there is like, you know, of course, these have like these some um, these uh, chemicals and uh, even like xenoestrogens in some of these uh, shower gels and uh, shampoos and stuff. But because, you know, I don't. I don't use shampoo like that often. I use shampoo maybe like twice a week. So I, I'm not using it every day. So it's not something that worries me. So like even small amounts of these xenoestrogens is not an issue. It's more of like, you know, how much and how exposed you are to them. And I think the shampoos, the shower gels are actually one of the least dangerous uh, xenoestrogens. Like you probably drinking out of a plastic bottle is probably worse than um, using head and shoulders, <laughs> for example. But yeah, like I don't use any specific personal care products i use generally uh, regular shampoos and shower gels um and uh yeah i don't use any like face creams or anything like that my my best like skincare is just uh washing it regularly with water maybe soap 
and taking the saunas, detoxifying, cleaning the face through sweating. And of course, you can also detoxify the xenoestrogens and the plastic compounds through sweat in the sauna. And I think fasting is also a huge, like diet and fasting are very important for maintaining skin health and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, again, like I'm, <laughs> I'm historically the worst person to ask skincare questions because I don't have any skincare. <laughs> like I just, uh, I just uh, don't you know, even focus on it at all. That's it for this uh, Q&A. If you want to ask me a question in the future, then uh, make sure you follow me on Instagram at Seem Lund. Other than that, thanks for watching this video. Make sure you click the like, subscribe, notification bell as well. My name is Seem. Stay optimized, stay empowered.